We'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the Dave Logan Podcast. We are thrilled to announce Molly's Spirits has joined the team, and we're stoked about that. Molly's is locally owned and operated, which of course we love. They have over 12,000 beer, wines, and spirits available in their two locations. We love Molly's for a lot of different reasons. One, they're really unique. They have a one-of-a-kind collaboration program with local up-and-coming breweries to produce products like Molly's Sip of Colorado with Bonfire Brewing or Prickly Pear Spiked Vodka Soda with Lifted Libations. I love that name. Lifted Libations and Avanti, by the way, just to name a few. They also have a massive selection of local products and love to work with local vendors. And there's so many ways to take advantage of Molly's huge selection. Just stop by their Lakeside or Greenwood Village location, use their contactless curbside pickup, or choose delivery for online orders placed through their website. Molly's delivery zone span the majority of the Denver metro area, which is good news for everybody. And here's something else that we love as well. Molly's offers special event services and will work with any budget to make sure that the event is totally covered. They also offer corporate orders that provide delivery services to take a typical corporate holiday party and make it one that you will not forget. Check them out online at mollyspirits.com where you can see their unique featured products and staff picks. Or, better yet, stop by their Lakeside location at 44th and Harlan or in Greenwood Village located at I-25 in Arapahoe right next to the Sprouts in the Arapahoe Marketplace. By the way, one more reason we love Molly's. They've launched a number of initiatives to support local hospitality industry workers affected by COVID-19, which which is really cool. Can you tell we're a fan? I guess so. You will be one as well once you visit Molly Spirits. Check them out at mollyspirits.com. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman, new sponsor in Molly Spirits. We love them. Yeah, we do. This is podcast number 49, I believe. It is. Oh, um, I thought yeah. about not showing up today. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in my office here, you're, I guess, in your office. Yeah. Um, man, that was an ugly, there's no other way to, to say it. That was an ugly game yesterday that in Powerfield at Mile High. Mm-hmm. You now add to the misery of losing their third consecutive game. Yeah. To now losing Jarrell Casey for the year with the torn bicep. God, when I heard that news, I was like, are you kidding? It's just getting a little bit worse, Dave. Yeah, it's, um, you know, this is only the second time. Well, this is the first time in franchise history that the Broncos have started consecutive seasons 0-3. They started 0-4 last year, right? Yeah. But they've never started back-to-back seasons 0-3. They've had uh, 0-3 starts, I think, four times in the 60s and also in 94 and 99 but, um, you know, it's so many injuries, and uh, they were close against Tennessee, had a chance to win against Pittsburgh, but just did not play very good football yesterday against the Tampa Bay Bucks. No, they didn't. Um, so, I God, I don't even know on this one <laughs> where you want to start. Let's start with the game before we kind of look at um, the Darrell Casey and, and how that's going to affect the team. Okay, so let's talk about the, the – um, it never really seemed – Honestly, probably a really tough game to call. Pretty tough game, I guess, to watch on that one. Um, do you expect quarterback wise? We saw Jeff Driscoll, and then we also saw Brett Rippin. Rippin. So, from what the performances were yesterday on Sunday, right. do you think we're going to see something different on Thursday? Um, I think it's uh, because it's a short week. Um, it will not be Blake Bortles, who they recently signed. Right. 
right? So my guess at this point, and we're, we're taping this on Monday after the game, my guess is it would be Brett Rippon. Really? I you know, went back and looked at, uh, at the tape of the game. I mean, it wasn't all Jeff Driscoll, but there were times in which he held the ball too long in the pocket. I mean, the offensive line gets killed when you have your quarterback getting hit that many times. I mean, the, the, a Denver quarterback and Jeff Driscoll is not a Denver quarterback. Driscoll's been sacked 12 times in two games. Mm. Uh, and I thought Tampa Bay with Todd Bowles, and I mentioned this during the broadcast, Bowles, the defensive coordinator for Bruce Arians, he goes way back with Arians. In fact, he played for Bruce Arians when Bruce was the head coach at Temple. That's how far that relationship goes back. But anybody in the NFL knows that when you face a Todd Bowles defense, he is he is uber-aggressive. And once he determined that he could affect the pocket and the quarterback by bringing a lot of people, he just kept the, the pedal down. So went back and looked at it. There were times that the offensive line didn't pick up just a simple ET twist. There were times that uh, the whoa, back whoa, whoa. end tackle twist. Okay. I mean, they, those ET are things, twist. games, that the defensive line will, will play that you've got to be able to pick up. Uh, there were times that the back didn't pick up a linebacker uh, blitzing. Uh, there were times that Driscoll held the ball too long. The safety, right? right? The safety in the end zone. You could see the blitz coming as soon as the ball was snapped. He he then in the pocket hitched up. Well, as soon as you hitch, you got to throw the ball. You can't hold the ball. And he's got Jerry Judy open in the middle of the field. So they're just things he's not seeing. I think Jeff Driscoll right now is in a position that he is not trusting his eyes. And when you get to that point, really difficult to play a good quarterback. So you sounds like you feel like it's a little bit more Jeff Driscoll than the Broncos coaches adjusting to what they see out there. Well, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of culpability. I think I think the offensive line at times has has lost one on one battles. I think Lloyd Cushenberry's the third is going to be a good player, but he's a rookie center. Right. They're still learning. I mean, Graham Glasgow is the right guard. This is his first year with Denver. Mm-hmm. Reisner's a young player in his second year. And I just think that uh, the quarterback has to hold up his end of the bargain. There are certain times that that clock in your head tells you the ball's got to come out. Went back and again looked at it. Driscoll had some open receivers in the first half that if you just get the ball to him, even on third and eight, they're going to catch it and run for a first down. But he's waiting for bigger shots downfield a couple of times and it's easy for me to sit and and, you know look at a game on film and be able to tell what you should have done harder when you're in the middle of the fray obviously but it's moving pretty fast right now for Jeff Driscoll I think there were a couple of times that he probably could have changed his protection I said that the week before in Pittsburgh on the final play when the game is still in doubt the Broncos are down 26-21 fourth and two You've got a strong safety that walks up. You've got to slide your protection to that safety, or you've got to make the back hot. He didn't either. So that just comes with playing more and more. Even though Driscoll's played five years, I mean, you know, he's started less than 10 games in his career. Right. So I I think now, I mean, to me, they don't ask me, but I would take a shot at Brett Rippon. I thought he looked good in, uh, in what he put on tape yesterday. Uh, in limited, he did throw the pick in the end zone, and you can't make that throw. Single safety in the middle of the field, you can't throw a seam route. I mean, or a bender runs right into the safety. So there's things he can learn as well. But I, I think, to me at least, it'd be worth getting him the start in New York. 
So we taped this on a Monday, and Vic Fangio at his press conference said that they'll make that determination tomorrow who's going to start, and it uh, and it may be both. So a lot these days are irking Bronco fans. I know every time you called Shaq Barrett's name on the broadcast, there had to be a few fans that were like, really? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, but I can't – I mean, I can't really fault the Broncos on that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they drafted Shane Ray in the first round. They drafted – Bradley Chubb in the first round. So you weren't going to be able to keep Shaq Barrett. You just, you right. weren't. Now you can say, well, you didn't give him enough opportunity. Shaq Barrett um, had 14 sacks, I believe, total in four years. He wasn't on the field a lot. He had 19 and a half sacks last year with Tampa. So, yeah, I mean, he gets the sack for uh, a safety. He gets another sack. I'm because Shaq is such a good, good dude. Good dude. I'm glad that he has found a home in Tampa. But I can't. There's, there's plenty of things you can find fault with the Broncos, mm-hmm. but their inability to keep Shaq Barrett, given the fact that they just expended a first round draft choice in Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. that would not be one on my list. I don't want to put you in a terrible position, but some of the things I'm hearing, and this is coming from fans, is well, there's a reason why we're seeing why Vic Fangio's been a coordinator for so long. Is it too early to make that determination? And does he not have enough around pieces around him to succeed? I think Vic is a really good coach. I think uh, you have to let this thing play out, right? I mean, I think he's put himself in a couple of positions, frankly. And he's admitted to them with, you know, not getting a timeout in the first week against Tennessee. I mean, coaches are going to make mistakes. Uh, and, and especially new coaches or relatively inexperienced head coaches. He is he's a play caller on on defense. There aren't many coaches, many head coaches that are play callers. There are, there are some, right? But but not many. Even Bill Belichick. Now Bill will mess with the defense and occasionally, obviously, gets to call what he wants to. But he's not the defense. Although this year they don't have a defensive coordinator per se. But um, yeah, I'm not ready to to pull the plug on Vic. I think that um, I think I want to see how the rest of this year plays out. Uh, I want to see how the team responds. I want to see if the team continues to play hard. You know what? And and you don't get any moral victories in the NFL. But in the last drive, Tampa Bay is ahead 28-10, to 10, and they're simply killing the clock. And they run Ronald Jones off right guard and Kareem Jackson from his safety spot. This guy's a 10-year vet, comes up and blows him up. That, to me, is telling. Mm-hmm. That, to me, says, you know what? These guys have not given up in the season. There's not there because I've been on a couple of teams in my career as a player where you knew about halfway through the season this thing is lost either with injuries or we've lost games, and so you go out and play because that's your job. But at times you're not going to put yourself in a position to where you think you might compromise yourself physically. The Broncos are not there yet. Um, they they've got some issues. You're playing two young guys in the back end of your defense. Right with Isang uh, Bassi and Michael Lojamudia, they get a punt blocked in the first series. Those type things cannot happen. Okay, so spe- special teams is get is taking a beating. Well, I mean, they deserve a beating uh, in 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 that regard. You can't have a punt blocked, right? You can't you can't so have a punt blocked. They had twelve men on the field at one point. You know, you've you've got to get those things fixed. I mean, this is. It's professional football. It's not like college or certainly not like high school. But even in, in those two levels, you got to get those things fixed. And, you know, to have a punt blocked after the opening series offensively, and now here comes Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, and they start in your 10-yard line, 
and you're a team right now just looking for a way to try to kind of piecemeal things together to have a chance to win, not an auspicious start. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, that can happen, and it did, and they got to get that fixed. So how should we look at three games in, the team is 0-3, first time in franchise history, they've started 0-3, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast. So now Back-to-back years. Back-to-back years. So now how should we be should we be readjusting? How should we be readjusting how we're looking at this season? Well, I mean this this season to me and I said I thought the Broncos would compete for a playoff spot, right? I said that obviously before the season started. Now, they've had a number of injuries and they should have won game 1 and they were in position to win game 2 even though their starting quarterback went down. They were not in position to win game 3. Right. So in my book honestly you know, you you could be you could be two and one. That said, one of the most, if not the most important thing about this season was at the end of the season, you wanted to have your answers in concrete as to whether or not Drew Locke would be a guy that you'd want to build around going forward. Now, he's hurt. Who knows when he's coming back? He's not on the IR. He's not on the injured reserve list. So they they think he might be able to come back a little sooner. He's obviously not going to play against the Jets. Can he get back for the next week, uh, 10 days later against the Patriots? I don't know. But when he comes back, no matter what the rest of your team looks like, you lose Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay hasn't played, all the defensive players, you lose, I mean, you lose A.J. Boye, you lose Vaughn, now Jarrell Casey's down. I mean, there have been some injuries, been way more injuries on this team than most teams. But you still have to find out if Drew Locke's going to be your guy moving forward. I've seen nothing to suggest that he can't be your guy, but he's got to play. And you've got to you've got to go out and even without, you know, Cortland Sutton, you've got to go out and and let him show you what you can do. No matter what the record of the Broncos is after the final regular season game, you have to have a pretty damn solid idea as to whether we go into next year feeling really good about Drew Locke or we have to scrap that or we're at least thinking about scrapping it. And what other direction can we go? I don't know if we can even. I, I don't. My brain will blow up if we have to scrap it. Well, we, I, mean I mean them, that's. But God, listen, that's I can't uh, take it you know I've seen nothing from him that would suggest right. that the Broncos, you know, won't move forward with him. But you got to let him play. And the the hard thing is the injury has prevented him from playing. Uh, what was it like to have 5,700 fans in the stadium? It was a blessing. <laughs> really? It was like... Did you hear uh, everyone? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, pretty much. There was Bill from Aurora. There was Doug from Thornton. Right. I uh, saw Molly from, uh, you know, Adams County. Uh-huh. No, I was disappointed with the... they. You know, they had those cardboard cutouts uh-huh. for the first game. Yeah. I was disappointed with their effort, really. I mean, oh, the they, cardboard cutouts? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think they quiet. were totally into the game. So if you're not going to be in the game, stay home watching on TV. No, I know. No, I, I yeah, it, it was nice. I mean, they didn't have a hell of a lot. Those 5,700 fans didn't have a hell of a lot to cheer about. Mm-hmm. There, there weren't. I mean, honestly, it's a quiet crowd. There weren't many moments <laughs> you could count. I mean, stop and think about this. I mean, until the fourth quarter, the Broncos never started a single drive outside their own 25 yard line. I don't think I'd ever called a game in 31 years. That, that I remember that happening. Now, they, they started, finally in the fourth quarter, they started one drive on the 27, right? But they were just always backed up. 
Yeah. And they couldn't get anything going on offense. They had 100, I think 29 yards, 129 yards total offense in the first half. 75 of those in that last two minute drive that they scored a touchdown. I mean, they were, you know, they couldn't get anything going on offense. Well, the good news is, if there's any good news, that next up, I know it's a short week, but it's going to be the Jets. We'll talk about it next. The Dave Logan Podcast can be found at iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember to download, and if you like what you hear, share with your friends and subscribe. Remember, you can log on to our website, thedaveloganpodcast.com. Go to the contact tab to ask us questions. We'll read them on the podcast. Most every question is fair game. Just keep it classy. It's at daveloganpodcast.com, or you can send your question directly to us on Twitter at DaveLoganPod or at JulieBrownman1. Hey, time to talk about orthodontic specialist, Dr. Wojtek Bobek. We know that getting braces for yourself or your children is a big decision. It can be a big investment, right? Not one to take lightly. So we would like to steer you in Dr. Bobak's direction because he has years and years of valuable experience in the industry while also using state-of-the-art digital radiography and 3D technology. Dr. Bobak also knows that orthodontics can be pricey for people, so he uses what scientific clinical research has shown to be significantly effective. Now, some of those fancy braces and treatments may sound good, but have not shown to be effective. So it just means that you're spending a lot of unnecessary money, which is not cool. That is not what we need to be doing these days. Know that Dr. Bobak takes all insurances, including CHP Plus and Medicaid. And also rest assured, you're walking into an office that is spotless. They take all the necessary measures and more to make sure you and your family are safe and comfortable by using temperature checks, face shields, and N95 masks. Dr. Bobak, as we've mentioned before, with three convenient locations. One is in Lakewood. Julie and I went out and saw him there, but he also has offices for your convenience in Thornton and in Aurora. It's a really relaxed, comfortable environment. They've got TVs to watch. They've got music to listen to. and just a nice place to be. And listen to this, and this is the key. If you mention that you hear Dr. Bobak on our podcast, you get a $500 discount on a full set of braces or Invisalign. That's a great deal. Check them out at bobakortho.com or call 303-988-0844. Again, 303-988-0844. That's bobakortho.com and smile like you mean it. Welcome back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman. Again, uh, we really appreciate you guys downloading our podcast, talking about the Broncos and a few other things that uh, sports-wise have developed around the Mile High City. You know, one thing that if you grew up here or been here for a while, you realize that even when the Broncos don't do well, and 0-3 is <clears throat> a little tough right now, it's all still all about the Broncos. Like where sometimes like the Rockies, which we'll get to, I think people have so long, so jumped up the bandwagon. But with the Broncos, because well, it either feels wonderful or it really hurts. I mean, the Rockies, we won't spend a lot of time on them, but they started 12-3. and 3. Love them, yeah. I mean, I know. do the math. That, that That's, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I really haven't focused too much on them recently, but mm-hmm. um, they got to make some changes. They have to make some changes, but I don't think Dick Monfort, he's never been known to be one to make changes until he absolutely freaking has to. That guy- Very close. He's very, very, he's very, very loyal. He's very, very loyal. He's loyal for sure, but he's mm-hmm. very close. It just it just hasn't worked. You're talking you, right at your buddy. Um, I'm not sure. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I think I think Buddy is. I think Buddy's a good skipper. Uh, I, I, you know, I think, and I think you know Jeff Breidich takes a lot of grief on certain things in terms of acquisitions. And he's made he's made some good moves, and he's made some moves that haven't worked out. I mean, how do you know, right? Uh, you look back to DJ LeMahieu, and I think the team wanted DJ to stay. He winds up going to the Yankees on a two year deal for basically twelve million a year. You pay Daniel Murphy twelve million a year for two years, and that 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 deal hasn't worked out. I mean, it 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 hurts you defensively because Murphy's not really a very good defensive first baseman, and he didn't produce at the plate the way that everybody, including me anticipated. Daniel Murphy, uh, especially with the Nats, but even with the Mets, was a tough out, man. He line drive, gap hitter, occasional power. You just you saw glimpses of it, but nothing consistent in those regards. And so that wasn't a good move. But, you know, the pitching, the bullpen, um, I mean, they've got some issues. If they're going to find a way to to sort of scrap things and get back in this that they're going to have to address. Okay, speaking of getting back in it, it's a short week. Broncos in New York to play the Jets on Thursday night, but the Jets are, it's not like, you know, they're facing Pittsburgh. It's the Jets. So give me kind of a rundown of how you see this game. Well, I, lo- I love that. I know. I know what you're going to say. I love Go. that Go. Uh, line of thinking. <laughs> I love that mindset because we had, we had, you know, callers today that said, well, you know, the good news is at least they play the Jets. And so my answer to that is, yeah, the Broncos are on three. The Jets are on three. The Jets are horrible. Do you not think the Jets look at the Broncos and say, hey, man, they're horrible. Here's right. our chance to finally get a win. Well, I mean, do you not think horrible. the Jets look at the Broncos the same way the Broncos, I mean, Broncos fans for sure, look at the Jets? The only saving grace is that there, there are plenty of rumors coming out of the Jets camp that the players have absolutely quit already in Adam Gase. In fact, there was a story floated out there today that the Jets' ownership have already started contacting coaches' agents to check on the availability of future, a.k.a. soon, head coaches. Now, if that's happened, it'd be one thing for management to start that. Uh, it pretty much signifies the end of that head coach's regime. But if the players honestly have just decided they're not playing for this guy, then Adam Gase is going to get fired much, much sooner than later. And that might work in the Broncos' favor because I do not think in terms of in the locker room that the players feel that way at all about Vic Fangio. You know Adam a little bit. Can you see maybe what some of the – I mean, what what were your impressions of him? Really bright. Um you know, I don't. I, I don't necessarily think you have to have played football at a high level to be a good coach. I mean, Adam played uh, played in high school. Didn't I? Don't think played in college. Wasn't a professional player. Adam is cut and dried. Adam to me is black and white. The the best coaches that I ever have been around are guys that I've played for. There, there's a certain amount of that that you have to have. It's a bottom line business, right? You either win or or you get fired. And for players, you either produce the way we think you should produce or we get another player. So, you know, but you also, to me, you have to have a certain amount of empathy for your players in terms of what they're going through. And not everything, not everything in professional football or college or high school is black and white, right? Not not all rules are the same. You don't treat all players the same. You treat all, you try to treat all players fairly, but you don't treat all players the same. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. I, I liked Adam, got to know him when he was here in Denver. I know that he and Peyton had a very good relationship. I know that he cannot stand the Broncos organization because he feels like John Elway killed any possibility of him being named the head coach in terms of um, you know interviewing for the job. And you saw that come to a head when the Broncos, then with Vance Joseph, went to Miami and the Dolphins put it on the Broncos, and then late in the game, Adam Gase called for an onside kick, and they're ahead, you know, a million to two. It's it's. I mean, that was clearly a message that, uh, and and not one of annoyance. That was one of just I think pure dislike. So just looking at the game, where can two zero and three teams? Where can where do the Broncos have the advantage? You got to get better quarterback play. So you got to decide in the next oh I don't know twenty four hours. Who are you going to play at quarterback? Um, I my guess it would be Brett Rippon, but I have no idea if that'll be the case. You got to get the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to stop making stupid plays to give teams the game, or at least opportunities to win the game. And I think you got to run the ball. They ran the ball fourteen times against Tampa Bay, and I know they got behind so quickly. But you, th- this team is not built for you to run it fourteen times and throw it every other play. I mean, the offensive line's not built for that. This is a this is a run first, play pass offense. I also think uh, Pat Shermer can help whichever quarterback he decides to play uh, by getting the ball out of his hands, utilizing some wide receiver screens. I mean, give him something that he can complete and that you can take some pressure off your offensive line. Get um, the ball out of his hands. So Vic Fangio did say today that Philip Lindsay might be available. Yeah. Um, The turf is dicey back there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not at practice because they they don't let us go to practice once the regular season starts. I'll just say this. I would be surprised if Philip Lindsay plays Thursday night. And unless he is completely, totally 100%, I would not play him. I'd rest him, give him 10 more days to rest until the Patriots game. Mm-hmm. Just me. Okay. And the good news is Sam Darnold's coming off as uh, one of his worst games of his young career. Is that good news? Well, maybe we can get in his head. We isn't they. I can't stand what people say we. Yeah. Could be a good, could be a good game for the defense, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, it, it, it boils down to you're so desperate for a win. It, it's like it doesn't matter if you win on a field goal and the other team had a safety and you win three to two. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter six to three. It doesn't matter ten. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just want to try to fly back in the middle of the night and get back Friday morning about five a.m. and be one and three. Okay? I mean, right. that's that's where they are. If that sounds desperate, that's where they are. Speaking of the middle of the night, you just informed me that you're doing the game at Empower Field at Mile High, yes, possibly with no lights. <laughs> Don't know the setup. We did. Uh, they're they're not taking their uh, their play by play broadcaster nor the broadcast team because of COVID nineteen, which I understand. Mm-hmm. So the Pittsburgh game, we were at Empower Field at Mile High, mm-hmm. no fans. Obviously, why would anybody be there right. except us and and the security guard that let us in? So there was a six man team and <laughs> Bill the security guard. So for the night game, I'm just thinking. I guess there's a possibility that they don't want to waste electricity so maybe they won't turn the field lights on so we literally with the stadium <laughs> dark and our booth illuminated might be doing the game like that i i don't know i guess we'll find out i have to say if they turn on the lights for you guys you're very important to turn on the lights at a stadium that that sits eighty thousand people well, i can for... guarantee you we're not yeah. that important so if that's <laughs> okay. 
going to be the way they figure out what to do. My guess is the stadium lights will not be on. <laughs> Our booth lights will be on, and we'll we'll do the best we can. A couple things before we go. Nuggets and their season. Ah. This is not a team that needs a major overhaul, obviously, like the Rockies. I'll tell you what they need, and I said this before this season. Mm-hmm. They need a shooter. Yeah, they do. They need a guy, and I mentioned J.J. Redick, who's at the tail end of his career, um, may have wanted more money. But they need somebody that can help Jamal Murray in terms of being a consistent knockdown shooter. Doesn't have to be a great player, can be a little bit older, doesn't have to have the ability to beat people off the dribble. I'm talking about a catch-and-shoot guy, a guy that can come off a screen, catch it, and shoot it. Uh, they're too inconsistent other than Jamal, and and they don't utilize Jamal as a catch-and-shoot guy. He's got the ball. He's got, I mean, Jamal had a just an unbelievable series, I mean, three series, um, and has elevated his game, I think, to the status of being one of the elite guards in the game. But uh, and, and they they got to re-sign Jeremy Grant, who I believe becomes a free agent. But I still think you need somebody that can shoot the ball to stretch the defense. It would help Jokic in the post as well. Uh, by the way, we have a question from the DaveLoganPodcast.com. You can always go to the DaveLoganPodcast.com and you can ask us a question, which we'll read on the podcast. Okay. This comes from Chip Tomlinson. What's up, Chip? Dave, is Creek playing football this in the fall? Uh, there is a high school football season. Woo! We've, um, for the teams that opted in. And the first weekend of action will start uh, Thursday, October 8th. Okay. And uh, it's a six-week schedule instead of normally being 10. Mm-hmm. And then normally 24 teams make the playoffs, but uh, this year only eight. Mm-hmm. So the most games you could have would be nine. Nine instead of 14 if you uh, go to the state championship game. But I'll tell you this. Kids are excited. Nine is more than zero. I can tell you that's how we look at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad for a lot of kids around the state. And, and, and they get a chance to play, and the band gets a chance to go, and the cheers and palms. Limited people get a chance to watch it. Mom and dads will. Mm-hmm. But then the teams that couldn't, uh, for whatever reason, uh, get things up and running, they get a chance to play in the spring, which I think is great, too. You know what? And it's starting to be like football weather, don't you think? Just, yeah, like cool. today. Yeah. Today, even yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yesterday felt like... Sort of late October instead of late September. Yeah, let's not be depressed. Let's be happy. No, I'm not depressed. I'm I'm just realistic when it comes to the Broncos, but I'm not depressed. Okay. Yeah. So, it's the other podcast. Don't be sad. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. All right.